Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today's story is... The Trojan Horse, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Derek, Samantha and Michael had just come home from school, so naturally they were eating a little light afternoon tea with their nanny, a banoffee pie, a block of chocolate and a gallon of chocolate milk each to overcome the trauma of a day spent in institutionalised education when Michael cleared his throat to ask a question. Nanny Piggins, do you know anything about... The Trojan horse, asked Michael. I've got to write a report about it for school. Oh, my dear, I know the whole tragic story, said Nanny Piggins. You do, asked Michael, hopefully. If Nanny Piggins could tell him the story, it would be much better than reading a book. And not just because it would save him having to read words on a page, but because she was bound to know way more interesting details than any historian. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins, the most tragic of tales. And you know how it started. Um, with a war, said Michael. The Trojan War, said Derek. Yes, but do you know how the war got started, asked Nanny Piggins. Uh, not really, admitted Michael. An apple, said Nanny Piggins. Really, said Derek. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. Fruit and vegetables have caused so many problems throughout history. They have, asked Samantha. Think about it, said Nanny Piggins. Adam and Eve, what got them in trouble? An apple. George Washington, Got in trouble for cutting down what? A cherry tree. The Irish potato famine caused by what? Potatoes. Vegetables have a lot to answer for. But how did an apple cause the Trojan War, asked Michael. Vanity, said Nanny Piggins. There was a vain apple, asked Samantha. No, although the apple in question was far too flashy for its own good. The problem in this case was... The vanity of the gods, said Nanny Piggins. You see, the Trojan Wars happened back in the ancient Greek story days. And in ancient Greek stories, the ancient Greek gods were always at the root of every problem. The gods, said Michael. He was getting very confused. He thought his project was going to be about a horse. Now he found out it was going to include an apple and gods. Yes, the ancient Greek gods were just dreadful people, said Nanny Piggins. Of course, they weren't actually people, so they thought they didn't have to behave themselves at all. They were forever fighting with each other and kidnapping each other's true loves. It was worse than an episode of The Young and the Irritable. The Young and the Irritable was Nanny Piggins' favourite daytime soap opera. It was, to her mind, the greatest drama ever written. So the whole Trojan War started because the Greek gods were up in heaven having a dinner party and they were all there at the table having a fantastic time when Eris turns up. 
Now, she was the goddess of discord, so naturally she wasn't invited to the dinner party. If you're going to have a mixed martial arts battle, she'd be perfect company. But inviting the goddess of discord to a dinner? You're just asking for trouble. So when she turned up, she was in a mood about not getting invited. So she sets about doing her thing, causing discord. And as I say, there is no fruit in history more discordant than an apple. And Iris had brought an apple with her. Nanny Piggins paused for dramatic effect at this point. The children didn't really know what to think. They didn't find an apple as horrifying as Nanny Piggins evidently did, but they were prepared to be shocked. Now this apple was a really good one, continued Nanny Piggins. You know how sometimes you get an apple and it looks really nice and shiny, but when you bite into it, it's actually disgusting and flowery, or sour and gross, or all bruised and brown. The children nodded. They knew this too well. Well, this apple was nothing like that. It was beautiful and golden and shiny, and you could just tell it was going to be fabulously delicious. And I say that as someone who doesn't really care for fruit. This apple was so good, even I would have considered eating it. So anyway, this troublemaking goddess Iris rocks up with her fabulous apple. She tosses it onto the table in the middle of everyone and says, "To the fairest." The whole party came to a screeching halt. There was complete silence. You see, there were three women at the dinner party: Athena, Hera, and Aphrodite. They were all goddesses, and they were all super hot and fabulously beautiful. So now they're all looking at this apple, and they're looking at each other, and they don't want to appear greedy. But obviously, they want to be the one that everyone says, "Hey, that apple's totally for you because you're the fairest." Meanwhile, all the other guests realize this is going to turn really ugly in just about half a second. They're all trying to get out, saying, "Oh, sorry, I've just remembered I left the oven on at home," or "Oh, I've got to go home. I forgot to feed the dog." They just want to get out of there because none of them want to say who they think should get the apple. So the three goddesses turn to Zeus, king of all the gods, and they say, "Who do you think the apple's for?" Now you don't get to be. King of all the gods, without having the good sense to see, this is a question you should never ever try and answer. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, and Zeus wasn't silly enough to scorn two women at once. So he starts saying, "You know, um, I think I left my reading glasses in my other toga. I can't really answer that. You'll need to ask somebody else." And the goddesses won't stand for that. They want to know who. And Zeus doesn't want to get any of his buddies in trouble, so he just says the first person he can think of. Um, I don't know. You should really ask、uh, the true heir to the Trojan throne. The goddesses look at him, baffled. And who exactly is the true heir to the Trojan throne? They ask. Zeus isn't sure either. He has to consult his records. Um, it's a dude, and he's called Paris. And he doesn't realise he's the true heir to the throne, which, by the way, is totally another story. Because in the ancient Greek story times, kings were forever abandoning their children in the wilderness to die. Then the children would be found by shepherds and raised in poverty. It was just the way they did things back then. I suppose it was just a cheap way to get childcare. So anyway, the three goddesses were all right. Let's settle this. They all flew through the skies to the field on the hillside where Paris was shepherding, and appeared before him.
The poor boy was obviously shocked. He didn't even realise he was the true heir to Troy, and now he had three goddesses demanding he decide which one of them was the fairest. Even a young shepherd knew enough to know he shouldn't answer that question. So instead he said, Uh, I don't know. So the goddesses started bargaining with him. Bargaining, said Samantha. But why? Bargaining wouldn't make them the fairest. It would just make them the best at bargaining. Yes, I know, said Nanny Piggins. But never in the ancient Greek story days did any of the gods let good sense or reason influence their behaviour. Let me tell you. So the first goddess just went for it. She offered him something crazy. She said, if you say I'm the fairest, I'll give you a sports car. And Paris thought about it and he said, but sports cars haven't been invented yet, nor has petrol, nor have roads really, so where would I drive it? So the next goddess, she thought about it and she said, if you say I'm the fairest, I'll give you a robot that makes sushi. But Paris was all, but I don't know what a robot is, and I like my fish cooked, so hard pass on that one. So now Athena stepped forward and she said, If you say I'm the fairest, I'll fix it up so you can marry the most beautiful woman on earth. And Paris was like, deal, I'll take that one. You're the fairest. So Athena got the apple and she totally rubbed her friend's noses in it. She even ate it, even though she'd much rather have a slice of cake. She just ate it to spite them. And Paris was so pleased with himself. He's like, woohoo, I'm going to get myself the most beautiful woman on earth. Now, this is where we get to the problem. You see, the most beautiful woman on earth was a woman called Helen, and she was already married to the king of Greece. But this was the ancient story days, and people didn't care about things like that. Paris just went over to Greece and kidnapped her. The king of Greece was all, hey, where are you going with my wife? And Paris was like, it's all good. Athena said I could take her. But the king of Greece did not see it that way. He got totally mad saying, no way, dude, that is my wife. Paris was like, nah, there was a whole deal about an apple and now she's mine. The Greek king was totally cross. Right, that's it, he said. It's wartime. He got together all his ships, which was a lot, and sailed them over to Troy to totally kick Paris's behind. So did Paris live in Paris, asked Derek. No, said Nanny Piggins. There was actually no Paris in the ancient story times. Paris was just a person back then. Paris, the place in France, hadn't been invented. It was just wilderness with uncivilised Gaulish tribes. That's very confusing, said Michael. Paris the place wasn't even named after Paris the person, said Nanny Piggins, because it would have been silly to name a place after a superficial degenerate kidnapper. The name thing is just a bizarrely confusing coincidence. But we mustn't judge the French too harshly. They are very good at making desserts, so that makes up for all their other flaws. Excuse me, said Michael. His head was hurting trying to follow all this detail. But where does the Trojan horse come into all this? I'm getting to that, said Nanny Piggins. So the Greek army arrived at Troy, ready to do some warring. But when they got there, they were stumped. You see, the Trojans had this amazing piece of military technology that they could not overcome. They had a wall. A wall, asked Derek. 
Yes, I know it doesn't sound impressive now, said Nanny Piggins, but think about it. Someone had to think of building the first wall, and it was a big deal back then. It was like the iPhone now. Everyone was like, wow, so high tech. And it totally stumped the Greeks. They had no idea how to overcome this wall thing. They tried running at it with their swords drawn. Didn't work. They tried sneaking up on it slowly with their swords drawn did not work. They even tried climbing over it with ladders made out of pantyhose, but that didn't work either. In all, they spent 10 whole years trying to overcome the wall so they could crush the Trojans for kidnapping Helen because Paris had told Athena she was pretty because Athena wanted to eat an apple. At the end of 10 years, as you can imagine, the Greeks were all very tired. They were literally getting old. They hadn't been home for ages. They were forgetting what their families looked like. It was getting very grim. Then one fellow called Odysseus, or Ulysses, as you may know him, because of course in the ancient story days it was never enough to have one hard-to-pronounce name. You always had to have two. Anyway, Ulysses had an idea. And he was the first one of them to have an idea in ten years, so it was a big deal. Ulysses said, How about we build a great big wooden horse. Then 23 of us hide inside it. Then the whole rest of the army get on the boats and pretend to go back to Greece. Then we leave the wooden horse in front of the gates of Troy with a little note saying, sorry about the war, we give up, you can keep Helen, and here's a nice big horse to show there's no hard feelings. Now, it seemed like a crazy idea, but they had all been fighting a war on the beach for 10 years, so they probably had heat stroke, and that's what they did. And the weirdest part is, it totally worked. The Trojans were all like, cool, a new toy, let's bring it inside and play with it. They had a huge celebratory party because the Greeks had finally left, and they had a cool giant horse. Then, after they'd all gone to bed, the Greek soldiers snuck out of the horse and opened the gates of Troy. Then the whole Greek army snuck in and they killed everyone. The end time for bed. That's horrible, said Samantha. I know, said Nanny Piggins. History stories are always the most horrible. But still, it teaches us a valuable life lesson. An apple a day may keep the doctor away, but it won't keep the Greek army away. So if three goddesses turn up in your field with an apple-related dispute to settle, run away screaming. It also goes to show that Zeus should have given more thought to the town planning on Mount Olympus, because if they had had a chocolate shop in their neighbourhood, no one would have looked twice at an apple and there wouldn't have been a problem in the first place. The end. Time for bed. That's it. Thank you for listening. To support this podcast, just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. I've written lots of them. There's the whole Nanny Piggins series, the Friday Barnes series, and the Pesky Kids series. And now there's even a book based on this podcast called Shockingly Good Stories. You can order any of them through your local bookstore, or you can go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. So that's it for now. Until next time. Goodbye.